0: Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that job, that just overbroke job, by having any means possible. It could be investing, could be have side hustle, building a business, freelancing, whatever it might be. And today I'm bringing on an expert who is now teaching people how to invest in real estate through TikTok and through Instagram. And she has a fantastic real estate investing business, and now is helping other people do it too. All right, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm super pumped that you're here with me on the Successfully Unemployed Show. Right now, I'm literally in a hotel room. We went skiing. I took my family skiing. We just got done with the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, building a brand new business from scratch. And you guys saw me along the way building this entire business along the way. And now I'm taking a little, like it's been a week since the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference was gone, has gone on. And we were so blown away at how many people showed up, all the speakers and everything was great. But now, I'm resting. Now uh, we're skiing. We're taking a couple of days. We're up in the mountains in Flagstaff skiing. It's super awesome. The kids right now, they're in the pool and the hot tub. And I as soon as I wrap up just recording this podcast, I'm going to go down there and hang out with them because I have all my businesses running right now where I created passive income and where I can literally have fun skiing and still make money. I can go swimming with my kids. I can do whatever I want and still make money. And that's obviously why I love passive income. I work one time and make money over and over and over again. And today we're going to be talking with an expert who has done the same thing with her real estate investing business and everything that she has done in her multiple businesses as well. And she's also helping so many people with her TikTok channel, her Instagram channel. Now that that stuff is like foreign to me. I don't know how to to do any of that stuff. I just post like, you know, if you go to my Instagram, it's literally, uh, or I think it's at the Dustin Heiner. And even though it's T-H-E, Dustin Heiner, I'm not that egotistical. It's only when I can get that kind of, you know, fit. I didn't want to put like, I am Dustin Heiner or something like that. But anyways, that's what I got, the Dustin Heiner. It's just me posting fun things about what I do in my life. Uh, because I really don't care to post much other than just, hey, this is what I'm doing, having fun. Now, I know there are so many people that are prolific in Instagram, and my expert that I bring on today is absolutely fantastic. And the great thing is she's helping so many more people invest in real estate because she has this platform where she is helping people to invest in real estate. And let's jump into the show where I interview Rachel Richards of Money, Honey, Rachel, where she's going to show us how to invest in real estate and how to become successfully unemployed. Okay, here we go. So tell me a little bit about yourself, Rachel. I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Dustin. Yeah, I am a lot of things. I'm a former financial advisor, um, real estate investor. So my husband and I built a real estate portfolio of 38 units by the time I was 26 years old. Um, So people find that interesting. And I always have to clarify that by saying that I'm not a trust fund baby. And I never made six figures from a job or a career, so there's that. Um, also, I'm a best-selling author, and I'm a coach and a professional speaker. So yeah, I got a lot going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, you do. That's awesome. Wait, so you had 38 properties?
1: Yes, uh, uh, wow. not pro- not properties, doors. Six doors. buildings, 38 doors. Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. Got it. So you have more multifamily properties, and so. How at what age were you when you had all those 38 doors?
1: I was 26. And by the time I was 27, I was able to quit my job and retire. And at that point, I was living off 10 grand a month in passive income. I'm now 29, and we are living off 20 grand a month in passive income, and we are fully financially independent.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah, that's something that as I was always working a job, I always thought that job is an acronym for J O B living just over broke because your boss is they're only paying you just enough to keep you working without quitting, but not so much money it takes money out of their pocket. And so when you realize that, you hopefully start to realize that your value is so much more than anybody could ever pay you. And that's what I thought of Man, being successfully unemployed, being financially independent is so fantastic. So that's a goal to get there. Now, I personally love real estate as well. Um, It took me probably about seven or eight years to get to where I have over 30 properties, uh, but I was older. I th- I, when I was 37 years old, when I quit my job, I wish I would have started much sooner. I think I was like 26, 27 when I first started investing. And I'm really excited that you started so young. Now, tell me a little bit about what you were doing. You said you're a financial advisor, right? And so a financial planner. So talk to us about that and then how you got yourself into investing and the transition getting into it.
1: Absolutely. My first job out of college, I was a financial advisor. I was making $36,000. So by no means was I making some crazy amount of money where I could invest in huge properties or anything, but I was saving half of my salary back then living off something like 1500 a month. Yeah. And and I was in Louisville, I was in Louisville, Kentucky. That was a big advantage because it's not an expensive place to live, but I was very frugal, very disciplined. And even in those early years, in my early twenties, I was able to save thousands of dollars per year just because I was so disciplined. So I was a financial advisor for a year. There were pros and cons to that job. I did not like the sales aspect of it. Um, I'm an introvert, which people find surprising given my platform and public presence, but it was very draining for me. I did not like prospecting and cold calling and selling. I did love helping people invest their money though. That was my passion. That's what I loved helping people do. And I realized after a year, I don't want to be a financial advisor anymore, but I do still want to help people with money. So I left that job. The passion didn't leave. And I, I wanted to still figure out a way to help people with their money. And that didn't come up, come to me until later. I had always wanted to invest in real estate though. I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad in high school, which I'm sh- exactly, it's, you know, everyone has a light bulb moment once they've read that book. So I knew that was on my path and something I wanted to do eventually. So after becoming a financial advisor, I worked for this person in Kentucky who was flipping real estate and I took a pay cut from $36,000 to work for this guy. But I was like, I really want to learn from him and, you know, shadow and mentor from him and learn all these things and these tricks. So that was really valuable. That's how I kind of started getting into the real estate industry and learning And then it it wasn't until I was 24, which obviously still really young, so still really good. But 24 is when my husband and I purchased our first duplex in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: That's terrific. And you definitely took Rich Dad, Poor Dad to heart. You decided instead of what he talks about, Robert Kawasaki says, don't work to earn money work to learn. And so taking that pay cut, I mean, you literally took that to heart saying, I really want to learn this. So I, at the same time, just like you, I would rather learn more how to either whatever I want to be financially um, independent, buy more properties, whatever it might be. I would even pay Warren Buffett money to work for him. Like instead of getting paid money, I would rather pay him money because of all the experience I would get, the networking that I would get, just being around him learning, like just that learning alone will get you so much further than your one you know a couple of dollars that you're making per hour so i love that and for me as well rich dad poor Dad was the catalyst that got me into thinking oh my goodness i don't have to work 40 years of my life and save up money and try to live on what i've saved up after i'm too old to <laughs> work anymore so i love that you did that so soon so early so you started getting in investing in real estate so is that a wise thing for, to look at flipping as in, so maybe working for somebody that's, that's flipping or would it be um, uh, somebody that's doing rental properties or multifamily? What are your thoughts about if somebody wants to get started? They're in a very similar position. They're younger. I love helping uh, like, like college students that they find me and they, hey, Dustin, I want to learn how to invest. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. I wish I would have started as young as you. What would they do? What would they need to do? Is it start saving money? Is it start learning, getting a mentor? What are your thoughts to get started?
1: there's a lot you can do. Um, And I think the mistake people make is not getting started in some capacity. So for example, I could have started investing in real estate when I was 18, but I kept telling myself things like, well, I don't have any money. I don't know anything. I don't have any experience. So I need to wait. I need to wait until I have something going for me. But if I knew then what I know now, I could have gotten started way sooner. So you just have to Get over those limiting beliefs i think a little bit um you don't need money to start investing in real estate i didn't know that i thought you had to have a 20 percent down payment now i know there's all these other ways around that there's house hacking there's wholesaling there's the burr method there's owner financing there's silent partner there's raising private capital there's a hundred ways you can get started investing in real estate without having money i just didn't know about any of them and even if you don't have money There's so much you can do while you're saving up money or while you're exploring some of those other methods, you can narrow down your parameters, narrow down your location start building your team, start finding somebody who you can learn under or shadow under or intern under. And there's just so many things you can do to get started and get on the path to success. So I know I keep saying, you know, I started when I was 24 and obviously that's still very young, but I literally could have gotten started six years sooner if, if I had just put my mind to it.
0: Yeah, I started when I was 27, no, 26, when I first started investing, maybe getting close to 27, and I just did it on my own. I had no clue what I was doing, and went to a seminar. They wanted like 40 or 50 grand for me to learn from them. It was so ridiculous, and I thought, well, I might as well just learn it on my own, and through the school of hard knocks, and uh, it definitely was a lot of work, but you destroyed my timeline. Like I, I, I was probably about six years later. I was like, okay, I have enough properties I could quit, but it was really scary to give up that W-2 job. Uh, But you went really, really fast. How did you scale so quickly to get so many properties or so many doors so fast? I mean, 24, you started, you said 27, you had 30 plus doors. How'd you scale it so quickly?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Dustin. So my husband and I had a few things going for us that allowed us to scale quickly. First of all, neither of us graduated from school with student loans or with debt, and it's not because our parents paid for school for us, for either of us.
0: So I could tell you're really financially savvy because if you were saving 50% of your income, you have to know a lot about, in my opinion, you have to at least know a good amount in finances to realize, well, let me just not have high expenses. Let me save money. Let me think about investing. So sorry, I, I just had to say that I, I did, you, you said it very quickly, but I wanted everybody to realize 50% of your income is a lot of money. So good job in that. <laughs> so sorry, you. go ahead and keep going.
1: No, thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah, I do think it's important to know I didn't come from a wealthy family. I came from a family that struggled with money and that lived paycheck to paycheck. So um, I learned a lot at a young age. I've been a finance nerd my whole life and I'm proud of it. <laughs> but I paid my way through school selling Cutco cutlery. Have you heard of that? Oh, yes. <laughs> you have? <laughs> So some of the best knives out there, I own them to this day, but I, it was a direct sales job, paid my way through school, um, graduated completely debt-free by doing that. And then my husband is a veteran. So he used he used his military benefits to pay for his tuition. So we both graduated debt-free. That was a big advantage, not having, you know, exorbitant student loan payments after we graduated. And that's one of the reasons we could save 50% of our income even when we were not making a lot of money. Um, and I didn't know Andrew after I graduated from college, but I was, again, still saving half of my $36,000 salary. So that was one thing. Another thing, again, we lived in Louisville, Kentucky, so that is not an expensive city to live in. We could keep our costs low. Also, the housing prices were low. That first duplex we found, we found for a 100 grand. And so it was a lot easier to come up with 20% down of 100 grand than down of a million dollar property in California. Right. So that was another advantage. And then lastly, the, the real reason that we could scale so quickly is because I had my real estate license and I didn't have it for the purpose of having clients. I wasn't helping people buy or sell houses. It was just for my own purposes as an investor. So I would represent myself as the buyer's agent on every transaction for every, every time we would buy a property, we would deplete our savings, right? We would scrape together all of the money that we had to come up with this 20% down payment. But because I was the agent on the deal, I would get a commission check at closing, sometimes for thousands of dollars. And this money I would put towards the down payment on the next property. Do so you take our 50% savings rate? You take the commission checks. And you take the fact that we weren't giving into lifestyle creep, which was another big thing, right? Because we took, it took us nine months to find that first property. We made mistakes. We wanted to give up. We put several offers on properties. We had an accepted contract on a different property that fell through. We could have just given up and said, well, this isn't meant to be. Other people do it good for them, but it's clearly not in the cards for us. Kept going. Closed on this duplex, we were cash flowing five hundred dollars a month in profit. It was a really, really great deal. It would have been so easy for us at that moment to say, "We made it. We have five hundred dollars a month. We can go <laughs> get a new car. We can upgrade our living. We can finally spend some money and live it up." We've been sacrificing for so long, but instead of doing that, we said, "No, we're gonna we're gonna keep going. We're gonna stay disciplined, and we're gonna save a hundred percent of this cash flow." and reinvest it and put it towards the down payment for the next property. So all of those factors combined allowed us to save money and kind of snowball so quickly so we could have down payment after down payment and and go from zero to six buildings within two and a half years.
0: That's terrific. Where did you get the idea or the strategy to save 50% of your income? And that sounds... Like astronomical for most people, it just seems crazy. But did that come from your parents? Did you just think, hey, it might be good to start saving money?
1: That's a good question. I don't specifically remember, but i I read a lot of books in middle school, literally starting in sixth grade, <laughs> and in middle school and in high school. I remember reading The Millionaire Next Door. Um, Obviously, rich dad, poor dad. There were other books I read. R- Ram Ramit Sethi. How do you say his name?
0: I forget. Ramit Sethi. Sethi. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, and other books that just had a really big impact on me. And here's the thing at that time, though, I was so focused on decreasing my expenses and cutting my costs.
0: And hey, guys, get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word rental, R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777. Rental to 33777. And I'll give you, literally give you my real estate investing course showing you how to find an area of the country to invest, how to build the business first, how to scale the business, buy the right properties, making $250 or more every single month in passive income. I'll literally just give it to you. You can get started investing right away. Text the word rental to 33777.
1: And obviously that was very, very effective. It worked well for me because I could save a lot of money, but it also ended up causing a restrictive mindset and a very restrictive budget that I had to live within. Okay, so what I was missing was the fact that I could have also been increasing my income during that time. I was missing a very important part of the equation and if I could go back and do something differently that's what I would have done. Because you see all these you know people that talk about oh cut costs be super you know extreme frugality give up your coffee you, you know that's shame on you you shouldn't be doing that give all that stuff up and it is effective clearly it works for me but also it's so restrictive and that can be very unrealistic. That can be very an unhealthy way to live. If you focus both on decreasing your expenses and increasing your income, you can literally have the best of both worlds. You can live a more balanced lifestyle and you can have a 50% savings rate without having to live so frugally. So I was kind of missing that part of the equation. And I think you can really impact your savings rate if you focus on both of those things.
0: Yeah, a lot of us, especially people who don't have very much money, I didn't start with much money, my family, like we, my parents, and my brother, and myself, we grew up in a, there's like a 900 square foot house, two bedrooms, like it was, we were really, really poor. But you know, I just was like you read books after book, and really just started putting my nose down and really started working towards it. And when you think about saving, as opposed to making money, there's a two a couple of different trains of thought. Number one, saving money, the downside about saving money is there's only so much money you can save. Like there's only a floor of how much money comes out of your pocket. So it's always the thought of like, I got to save a buck. I got to save a buck. I got to save a buck. Those are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm very frugal. Like I love, my wife is even more frugal than I am. So it's really great that we're a good pair. And so with that frugality, it's good because it helps you to hopefully invest more money. But the downside is, you only have a floor, you have a floor, basically, you can't go past this, you have your expenses, you have to live. But if you change that to where you also um, save a buck to make a buck, you want to make more you the sky is the limit when you start making money as opposed to saving money. So having that different mindset, what I did talk to me a little bit about um, Uh, having delayed gratification, basically saying, I'm going to wait on the good things, even though like that cup of coffee every single day or that latte or whatever might be great, but maybe foregoing something like that for a short time so that when you are, let's say, successful and financial independent, then that has really, you can literally buy whatever you want now. Like, did that help? Did that play into your factor of growing your business?
1: Absolutely. Delayed gratification is something I've always been good at doing. And um I've never been interested in you know fancy clothes or purses or shoes or whatever um that's just hasn't been my value now things that I love are traveling and experiences and stuff so that's been a little bit harder for me because I want to go on trips and I want to go on vacations and so I did give into that a little bit not as much in the earlier early years but once we did start investing in rentals and really started to have some good cash flow we did start taking trips but especially earlier on, I was really focused on delayed gratification. And I guess the way I would put it is it was more about intentional spending. So I would ask myself, you know, I could spend my money on this thing and sure it's, it's going to bring me value right now. It's going to bring me joy. Or if I don't, what could this money bring to me in the future? What could this turn into in five or 10 years from now? I tried to not make it a mindset thing where it was like, oh, I always am constantly having to give up something right now or sacrifice something right now. Cause that can just feel bullshit, I guess. Um, and I, I wanted to just have the right balance. But I think one example of this, there were some things, you know, as a young woman that I definitely, I don't want to say like gave up, but I just made intentional choices. So with my engagement ring, my then fiance now husband and I got engaged. I just didn't care about having a diamond ring. And some people do and that's fine. That's that's an intentional choice that's their value but it was not my value at the time. And I knew that I could have a 10 or 15 or 20,000 engagement ring or I could literally have another rental property that yes. could be bringing me in cash flow. And I was like I'd rather have the cash flow. So I got a Moissanite engagement ring and I love it. And it it looks huge. And so people think I have this huge (laughs) engagement ring and I talk about it publicly. So everyone knows, but I love it. You know, I love, I love the intentional choice we made. I love my ring. It was perfect for us. Um, and another example of that is when we got married, we did not have a traditional wedding. We spent $435. We'd been engaged for a year and a half. Um, I just, again, it came down to like, we could spend 40 grand on a wedding or we could have another rental property. And I don't want to make it sound like I was just wanted to have all this money or something, but it was just delayed gratification. You wanted
0: freedom. Yeah, you wanted freedom.
1: Exactly, yes, thank you. We wanted the future of what that 40 grand could give us more than we wanted to have this overpriced one day event. That's the way I saw it. Other people don't see it that way and that's fine, but that's the way I saw it. And the compromise and kind of what we planned at that time is look in five years, we can have a five-year vow renewal and we can have a big fancy wedding then because five years from now we'll be, we'll be so freaking rich and wealthy that like, we'll it won't make a difference to spend 40 grand then, but right now it's going to make a big difference what we do with that money. So for us, those were how, that's how we thought about those decisions. And that's how we try to live intentionally so that. We could build and work towards the future that would give us ultimate freedom and the, that we could live the way that we wanted to live.
0: My wife and I were like as I, I told you, we were very frugal. And now, because we've worked so hard, delayed gratification, I put off going on vacations when I was you know, working a job and trying to get out of that by investing, put off going on vacations, going out to dinner other than like you know something really, really inexpensive. But I realized that every penny that went to something else other than a property was another, 5 minutes 10 minutes a year later that I would be able to be financially independent. So I said, you know what? I'm going to put every all, all of my effort down towards getting become financially independent. Sounds like you did that. Now, I got to say, I can absolutely see and because I've been you said that you're introverted and you know, it's it's funny watching you on uh, Instagram and I I'm very extroverted. Like that's my personality. I'm very extroverted. I hate doing anything like Instagram, TikTok, all that stuff. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. But I've heard introverts absolutely, like, they're the best when it comes to either videos or not necessarily just Instagram, but like a personality that's going to be helping people, you know, just one-on-one with the camera or something like, tell me about about your Instagram and how you are growing that by helping people, number one. But number two, doing it really, really well uh, to like almost... you. You make fun of yourself sometimes, which is really, really creative as, as well as like make fun of other people. It's just really creative. I think you do a good job on there. So tell me a little bit about how you utilize that because I have no clue how to use that. I probably don't want to do it just because that's my personality, but tell me a little bit about that.
1: Thank you. That's so funny. I haven't heard that about introverts, you know, making funny videos or resonating with people more, but that's hilarious. Uh, my Instagram is my favorite. People are so nice and it's so much fun. <laughs> I just have fun with it. So, you know, for a long time, I've always said my superpower is making the topic of finance fun and sassy and simple. And that's really what I did with my first book, Money Honey. That's what put me on the platform as I self-published this book back in 2017. And it, it just took off and it kind of went viral to my complete and utter shock to this day. And female millennials started reading it and that's kind of how I built my platform. And that's what I continue to do on my Instagram. So I just do funny reels and funny memes. And I put out one today, which was kind of funny. And, you know, it was me doing this silly dance, which I never danced by the way. So I should put the bloopers out because the bloopers of me trying to do this stupid dance, was like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. Like I kept just talking to myself and I was like, that was so dumb. This is so embarrassing. I can't believe I actually posted it, but I was like doing this silly little sarcastic dance. And it was like me on my way to order DoorDash for the third time this week, also being, you know, a finance expert who helps millennials manage their budget better. (laughs) So it's, just self-deprecating humor, you know, and kind of goes back to the point of like, hey, it's, you know, all about intentional spending and it's all about balance. And some of the points we talked about, it's not just about decreasing your expenses, but it's about increasing your income. Because if you do that, then you can order DoorDash three times a week and still save 50% of your income. So those are some of the points I try to make in a fun way that will make people laugh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's great too. And you have to be very creative to come up with quick, fast ways to relay some good information. Like you watch my YouTube videos. They're literally like me talking and talking and talking and because I can't get it pithy. Like I can't get it quick and concise. It's like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It's just how I am. Like, like try to confine a 30 second TikTok video and teaching a lesson. I'm like, I can't do that. That's so obviously I'm an extrovert. Like I I could fill up a room with words. Uh, So I love the way that you're able to do that because you have to be very intentional to do that. Yeah. So what's interesting is I've talked to a lot of either public speakers or people that have like a, a personality on TV or Instagram or whatever. A lot of them would say, "Yeah, I'm actually an introvert. Introvert, is just really, you know, you would think I'm an extrovert, but I'm not." And so, yeah, that's really, really awesome. Now, I got to say, you don't sound like you're from Kentucky. I don't hear an accent at all.
1: <laughs> I sometimes I ask people that because I'm so interested or intrigued by that. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, though, which normally people from Louisville don't have an accent. It's more Eastern Kentucky, but. Um, I'm relieved to know that I don't have a, you know, a hick Kentucky accent. (laughs) So thank you.
0: (laughs) I have a friend, his name's Shane, and he lives in Kentucky and he does podcasts and everything like that. And his accent is pretty strong. And he always has to say, don't, how does he say it? He says, don't confuse my um, accent for intellect or something like that. Like, I I might not sound that smart, but I'm actually, you know, somewhat (laughs) decently smart.
1: Well, that's true. And I will say y'all sometimes, and then you can tell. (laughs)
0: that's great. Okay. So when you, you've talked to us about in real estate investing now, what other lessons could you, did you learn um, anything that like, Oh my goodness, like, I can't believe this happened. This cost me thousands of dollars. What lessons could you learn? Or did you learn that you can share with us?
1: So many, I mean, I made more mistakes than not for sure along the way. And I'm sure I still do. Okay. Here's a good one is the lesson is don't be cheap because being cheap in the short run can cost you a lot more money in the long run. Here's what we did. This was when we hired property managers.
0: You don't do property managers anymore? Because you said when we had property managers, so you don't have property managers now?
1: We don't currently, we've been self-managing for a while and we could ha- we could have property managers. It's been easy enough to self-manage, but what happened is when we hired property managers we, you know, we're looking at different companies and it was going to be expensive and, you know, property management companies charge eight or 10 or 12 or 15% of rent or whatever. And I'm, I'm such a cheap person. Sometimes it goes back to <laughs> being raised in this really frugal lifestyle and trying to yep. pinch pennies. And that's how I was raised. So it's a very much a mindset thing that I still overcome to this day. So We were looking at these different options, but there was this couple that had been working for us and they were doing things like cleaning the property, maintenance, helping out some of our tenants. And they worked so hard. Some of the hardest workers we knew always went above and beyond. So when it came time to hire a property manager, we thought, why don't we make this husband and wife couple employees of our company and they can be the property managers. We can probably save some money, be a little bit more hands-on in their training and it'll be a win-win solution. That's what we thought at the time. Okay. I'm sure you can see where this is going. So (laughs) we made them the property managers. That was our cheap solution and everything started off great. And then six months in, my husband went to the on-site lock boxes one weekend to collect the rent. And he noticed there was a lot of rent missing and it wasn't just a tenant or two paying late. Like that would happen sometimes it was a significant amount. We found out that these two people stole $6,000 of rent that weekend. And we found out they had been squatting, squatting in vacant rooms and units in our properties for almost a year, stole the master keys to all of our properties. So we had to spend two grand to get all of our properties and all this other stuff. And it was just a complete blow because we had such a, relationship with them. They've been to our personal residence. Um, we'd met with them, we'd given them Christmas gifts. They totally gained our trust and turned out to be complete con artists. Yep. Complete criminals. Just looking back at it, it's embarrassing to admit publicly because we were so naive. It was such a silly mistake when I think back on it, because who would do that? Who would hire some random people and not hire a a professional property management company. But I say it because that's, that's the mistake we made. And I share it because I don't want other people to make the same mistake. So that's the mistake. And the moral of the story again is don't be cheap. This is not the place to cut corners, hiring people like contractors and property managers and whoever else is going to be working for you. It's not the place to cut corners because if we had paid more money to hire a licensed, insured, professional, reputable property management company, and their employees had done that to us, they would have been liable for the damages, not us.
0: I'm going to definitely go into, um, uh, what's the word? Like I'm in the same boat. My first property manager, I didn't know what I was doing. This is back in 2006. I was in California, flew to Ohio, found a realtor and a property manager put them together and said, hey, you guys both have a pulse. Let's do, uh, you're, I'm trustworthy. So you're probably trustworthy. And so bought the house. It was going well for like the first six months. And then the lady, the property manager started a business. The business started doing bad. So she started stealing from me. It was horrible because I had no clue what I was doing. But then I realized I need to hire the right people. I I literally need to interview them over and over again before I hire them. I can't just pick anybody. They're not. uh, Yeah. So that is, you're in good company here. At least I'm in the same boat, but here's the great thing. So everybody needs to listen to this, that if that would have stopped you and deterred you and say, oh, this can't be done or me, we're my very first property, oh, this, can't, this real estate investing is horrible, it can't be done, we wouldn't be here where we are today. We need to push through it because we know that it's absolutely possible. People have done it for hundreds of years. And so if we just figure out the right way to do it, we're going to be able to be successful. I have a one quick one from my, my point of view, because I love the idea of don't be cheap. I, this was not nearly as expensive, I put in one of my houses, uh, a faucet, a kitchen sink. And I went with a cheaper brand. It was like $75 cheaper. I was like, I'll just put the cheaper one in there. Within a year and a half, it was leaking or maybe two years. I had to replace it again. I'm like, oh my goodness, if I would just bought the better one and had the effort to install it, I would be saving myself money. So I think that's great. Now, there's so many great things that you have on your Instagram. So I definitely want everybody to go to your Instagram to follow you, but then also Watch everything that you give, you give out, and you share. So, uh, how do you? How do they find you on Instagram? Like, what's your handle?
1: Oh, thank you, Dustin. My handle is Money Honey Rachel.
0: Money Honey Rachel. I I believe I uh, yes, I believe I do because I, I see. I'm like, oh, there's Rachel again. Like, <laughs> my goodness, she's she's prolific. I can't do any of this. <laughs> like, <laughs> once a, once every couple months is when I post. <laughs> let alone every day, you're you're doing great. Okay, Rachel. I want you to share with other than anything from like uh, your Instagram account. How can other people find you? Or is, that, is Instagram the best way?
1: Um, Instagram is great. I I have a ton of fun on Instagram. And um, other than that, my both of my books, Money Honey and Passive Income: Aggressive Retirement, are available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio. And what I would love to do for your audience, Dustin, is if anyone wants to download my Passive Income Starter Kit, I will give that for free. So, listen, we don't like free things here. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, i will <laughs> <laughs> take Absolutely. your money, but <laughs> yeah. um, you all can go to moneyhoneyrachel.com forward slash passive income to download that.
0: That's, fa- that's fantastic. I really appreciate it, Rachel. It's great, great getting to uh, chat with you more about your business. I can't wait to watch more on Instagram, maybe get inspired. on. Maybe I should start doing that, <laughs> more yeah. than likely. I'm too extroverted to do that. But uh, <laughs> thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being on the Successfully Unemployed show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Dustin. It was a lot of fun.
0: Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses group coaching with me and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word rental to 33777. That's R E N T A L. 322-33777 Two three three seven seven seven. 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties, and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube or if you just go to YouTube and type in Successful Unemployed, more than likely you're going to find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube and I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successful Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successfully unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.